we're going to study a special theme. Life everlasting. On death, dying, and the future hope. What does the Bible say about these things? Is there a hope for us? We know somebody is dead, dead. We can't do anything about it. But the Bible tells us there will be a resurrection of the dead. There will be everlasting life for some of us. For some. There's a ticket to heaven for everlasting life. And we are going to discover this ticket. Grace be with you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to study the theme, life everlasting, on death, dying, and the future hope. Lesson one. Rebellion in a perfect universe. Our memory text for this week. How you have fallen from heaven, you star of the morning. Son of the dawn, you have been cut down to the earth, you who defeated the nations. Prophet Isaiah, chapter 14, verse 12. Creation, an expression of love. Nature is something very, very special. When we have a close look at it, we, we wonder and are astonished by what we can see there. It's an expression of love. But we see something else too. When you look into Africa and there's a film about nature and then you see how the lion or the gabbard, or the leopard, how they hunt animals which are peaceful. They just eat grass, doing no harm to anyone. And there we see nature has changed. In the beginning, it was not so. There was no death in the beginning. But we see in nature great controversy between Christ and Satan. In the first epistle of John in the New Testament, we read in chapter 4, verse 8, He that loves not knows not God, for God, he that loves not knows not God, for God is love. God is love. And he that loves not, knows not God. Here is something very important. God is love. And in verse 16 we read, And we, the Apostle writes, have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwells in love, dwells in God. And God in him. It's so important 
that we believe in this love. Because on the other side, the devil, he wants us to believe in him, to trust in him. Many people trust in him without knowing that he exists. They just follow his advice. Don't care about God. That's the advice of the devil. Do whatever you want to do. And that's nonsense. That's stupid. You, you, you can't do anything, whatever you want to do. There, there, there are many things. You could do it, but it's simply silly. So therefore you don't do it. And some things are wise. It's good to act in a wise way. Then you are blessed. Free will, the basis for love. In the first epistle of John, in chapter 4, we read in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. When you fall in love, God created love. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. The Apostle writes you about the love to our Creator. If you trust in Him, if you love Him, then you will experience what is truth. And then you will find peace for your soul. Fulfillment of your desire that's inside you. There's a desire for something you, you can't really grasp, but there, there's a desire for more. Yeah, you long for the relationship to your Creator. That's, that's the truth. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him, that we might live through him. Most people don't live. They, they are born and their life is a kind of dying. They die away. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be, and this is a very important, to propitiation for our sins. Aha. He's a healer. He wants to restore what has been made. that way, what has been damaged. He wants to restore. He wants to heal. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So once you have experienced this love of God, and that you answer with love to him, then you are able to love your neighbor. First you... <laughs> 
you, you must experience this love of God. Then you're able to give this love because you're full with love from God. Then you can love the one beside you. No man has seen God, we read in verse 12. And no man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us. And his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, restorer, healer, redeemer. In him you find peace, and only in him and nowhere else. Mysterious Ingratitude. In a prophetic text, Prophet Ezekiel 28, we find the following words. And it's a song about the king of Tyrus. Tyrus is a city in the state of Lebanon today. And in former days, it was an important city for the Phoenicians. They traveled with the ships, journeyed the Mediterranean Sea. And because of their going to and fro, buying, selling, buying, selling, they became very rich. And this richness you can see in, in a city, in the main city, in the capital city. And this song about the king of Tyrus is a parable for another much more important person, being, as we find here. Chapter 28 in Ezekiel Verse 12, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus says the Lord God, You seal up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You have been in Eden. Ah, that's interesting. The garden of God, every precious stone was your covering. And then all the stones in all the colors are there, the workmanship of your daprets and of your pipes was prepared in you in the day that you were created. Perfect. In Eden. Here, this is a speech about Lucifer, the light bearer, the translation of Lucifer. You are the anointed cherub that covers, and I have set you so. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You have walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you. 
And that's this mysterious ingratitude that the first of all angels, Lucifer, changed into the devil, Satan. There wasn't any motivation for that because he had everything. He was the number one. When you're the number one, you're the number one. And you're not second, you're one, first. So why? Free will is the basis for love. And you can act when you have got the free will in the opposite direction. There's no reason for that, doing so. But you're free to act like this. And because he was such an enormous, important person, therefore his fall drew other angels with him. Down, down. Price of pride. In the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 14, we find a proverb against Babylon. And when we go on reading there, we discover, oh, that's a parable. It's not only about the king of Babylon, it's about someone else. It's about Lucifer. We read in verse 12, how are you fallen from heaven? Aha. And then it's there. O Lucifer, son of the morning. Ah, now it's more than a king of Babylon. He is Lucifer. You are cut down to the ground. How are you cut down to the ground? Which you did weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. Ah, here is the reason, the motivation. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I want to be on the throne of the universe. That's the reason why. He acted like that. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. He was the first of the angels. But for him that was not enough. He wanted to be like the most high. He wanted to be the most high. And therefore, he collected, gathered together his angels and told them, well, if I were there, yeah, then it would be the paradise for you. He's a liar. God is perfect. God is love. Whatever his laws are, they are perfect. They, they can't be better than they are. <laughs> They are already on top. And now someone says, oh, no, I know something better. And this is the lie. 
you can't better the best. <laughs> the best is the best. You can only lie about the best and say it's not the best. But then it's a lie. In the Bible, the city of Babylon, it stands for a power in direct opposition to God and his kingdom. And therefore, it is chosen here. It starts here, this song about the king of Babylon, and then it is transferred to Lucifer. This action of Lucifer, it was without reason. He was the perfect angel. He was the number one, the first angel. So he had no reason to, to say, well, I'm, I'm not honored, and so on. <laughs> everything he had got, everything. But it wasn't enough. And because he has the free will, he can choose the bad side as well, as you. The spread of unbelief. In the last book of the Bible, in chapter 12, we get the information what happened in the beginning. That's interesting. In the last section of the Bible, we find an information about the war in heaven. We read in Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels. Michael is a symbol for Christ. It means who is like God. Christ. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. And prevailed not. Neither was the place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. And now we get a definition of this dragon. That old serpent called the devil and Satan. Now we, we know whom the Bible is talking about here. Satan which deceives the whole world. Ah, he deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. In the beginning, in verse 3, we read of a dragon, and in four, verse 4, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. So one third of the angels starts, parable for the angels, one-third of the angels were cast down with him. And now they are here. And that's the problem. Verse 10. I heard a loud voice and <laughs> this voice in heaven 
Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused him before our God day and night. At first, deceiving is his part. In the end, accusing is his part. So he says, going to deceive you, and once you have followed his advice, which is a bad one, but you don't know it beforehand, and then you sin, you have sinned, and then the devil accuses you and tells God, have you seen what this person has done? This person has acted against your laws of God. He is a hypocrite. When he informs you with his lies, he wants to deceive you. And once you are deceived, you are accused what you have done by God. That's the deceiver. Summary. In the book of Alan T. White, Confrontation, we read on page 21. There was no possible hope for the redemption of those, Satan and his angels, who had witnessed and enjoyed the inexpressible glory of heaven. They had seen the terrible majesty of God. And in presence of all this glory, had rebelled against him. So they, they, they had seen the majesty in heaven. And nevertheless, they rebelled. If they could rebel in the very presence of glory inexpressible, they could not be placed in a more favorable condition to be proved. So they have no more chance. And because they have no more chance, they have lost glory. And they are envious of you. The devil is envious that you may get there, where he will never, ever get there again. So because he has fallen, his aim is, and you, as a human being, you won't get there either. Because he has fallen, he wants you to fall in the same way. That's his aim. That's his motivation. I am fallen, and he's envious that you could get the glory he cannot get anymore. That's, that's the motivation of him. Being fallen, you shall fall too. From the beginning, and this is a quotation from the book by Antiwai, the Desire of Ages, on page 22. From the beginning, God and Christ knew of the apostasy of Satan. 
Uh, this is an interesting point. From the beginning, God and Christ knew of the apostasy of Satan and of the fall of man through the deceptive power of the apostate. God did not ordain that sin should exist, but he foresaw its existence. He foresaw its existence. That's the point. And, because he foresaw it, he made provision to meet the terrible emergency beforehand, before it happened. He made provision. So great was his love for the world that he covenanted to give his only begotten son. And then a quotation from the Gospel of John in chapter 3 verse 16, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Wow. Believing in Jesus. What's the consequence? Not perishing, but to have everlasting life. That's something, isn't it? 